What is up, y'all? Kevin Kuhn here from Athlete Factors. This is the Athlete Factors podcast. My guest today is Brett Cummins. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, Kevin. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I've been uh, following you on Instagram for, I don't know, probably a year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's uh, this feature on Instagram where, like, if you're following certain, you know, hashtags, then you know, right. stuff pops up and it, you know, the, the stuff that I'm following, you know, kinesiology, sport performance, strength and conditioning, like it always shows me stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with those hashtags, which re- <laughs> All right. really, really bothers me. But, right. uh, that's how I came across you. Cause okay. like, I don't think we have really any overlapping I mean, we probably know some of the same people, but as far as mm-hmm. like, I didn't know you when I started following right. you. Um, it was just one of those things, but um, I really appreciated what you were doing with baseball and softball players relative mm-hmm. to, um, you know, actually looking at uh, discrepancies in movement and uh, biomechanics and mm-hmm you know, really digging into like, what is this athlete doing specifically when they move that, you know, that either needs right. to change or adapt or improve. So, um, all that to say, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on, man. And for the kind of words, that means a lot. Um, and like I told you before we got on, I don't know if my bio is that, that interesting compared to some coaches. Um, I'm a former college athlete. Uh, I was one of the weird guys who liked to train. I like to work out. Um, for as weird as that is, I, I was the guy who loved getting away from at 6 a.m. and lifting a little bit. Um, so that was, I guess, my original, you know, kind of push in the industry, if you will. Um, I played, I actually played college soccer, man. So I played at Georgia State University. Um, so it's pretty far away from the baseball fields I could be at the time. Um, and when I graduated, this was back in probably 20, 2010, 2011, um, I actually graduated with a history degree and got out. Uh, worked some odds, odd jobs, just kind of valet parked cars, worked at restaurants, just kind of, you know, trying to make, trying to make ends meet. Um, and about 2012, uh, my mom and I were actually having a conversation and she was basically saying, well, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, huh, well, you know, I like training. I like, I like doing that. She's like, well, why don't you go back to school for that? I figured that out. And so mm. in 2012, I went back to school. Um, I got another degree in exercise science from Georgia state. Um, I spent about roughly about a year and a half in the program. Um, and then I spent about, I'd say six to eight months doing internship with their strength staff there. Um, so spent doing, spent time doing that. Um, and it was about the time I was at Georgia state, this was about 2014 leading to 2015. I kind of figured out, dude, you don't know what you're doing at all. <laughs> you know? So that was the first time <laughs> in my life I was around people who, who knew what they were doing. Um, mm-hmm. coach Ben Pollard was at Georgia state. He's been a strength coach for years now. I think he's actually since retired. And when I got around coach Pollard, man, I was like, Oh my God, I have, I know if there's this much to know, man, I know a very small amount. Um, mm-hmm. and that kind of put me on this journey to, to figure stuff out, man. Um, I did another internship at the university of Georgia for a few months there. Um, and, uh, other than that, I got, I remember I got on LinkedIn one day and I messaged a coach, um, I believe the guy worked at Ex- Exos, if I remember right. But I was like, dude, like, give me some advice on what I should do. Like, this is what I want to do in my life. Like, what should I do? And I remember he told me, he's like, dude, go read Mike Boyle stuff. Go read Eric Cressy's stuff. Go read Dr. Stuart McGill. And so mm-hmm. I just spent, you know, years doing that. Um, in about 2015, I got my first, you know, personal training job, if you will. Um, and kind of took it from there, man. Um, 
at the end of that year, um, I was your typical personal trainer, still trying to figure things out, still broke, uh, still had very few clients. And I got an opportunity to work a baseball camp in the winter of 2015, beginning of 2016. Um, and it wasn't what I expected in turn in a good way. I walked into this camp and this guy who I'd met through a friend of mine gave me 80 baseball players to train uh, in an hour and a half time. So I had 80 baseball players. Now, I've never worked with baseball this time. And I had mm-hmm. 80 parents watching me. So I was like, what the hell is this, man? I'm going to this one. Make this an opportunity. <laughs> so I, uh, I was out of the camp. I, you know, apparently I did a decent job with them. Um, out of that, I got three or four of those players to train with me at the gym I was at. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of snowballed from there, man. I kept on asking mm-hmm. questions, kept on reaching out to baseball people. Was, you know, at the time, I'm still, I'm still a soccer guy. You know, I don't, I don't know everything. And um, that's what I've been doing ever since, man. Just, just kind of get, get the ball rolling and be going since. So that yeah, helps answer it. <laughs> that's awesome. Like, it's so funny how, you know, the, the niche that we kind of end up in is rarely mm-hmm. – uh, either the one that we're looking to get into or, you know, sometimes things just kind of either fall into your lap or you're, you're kind of like uh, ushered into a certain area and you can either take full advantage of that or you'd be like, no, 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 no. I'm going to do what I think I, you know, should be doing. And yeah. if you're not open to other opportunities, like, like you said, you've got this soccer background and like, what do you know about baseball? Well, Right. Uh, if you're driven, then you'll learn. Right. Mm-hmm. And you'll find ways to like at the end of the day, athletes are athletes. So mm-hmm. there's some things that are going to overlap. Right. Like if we've got a Venn mm-hmm. diagram of of uh, the soccer athlete and the baseball athlete, like there's a ton of stuff that overlaps there. And as long Absolutely. as you're, you know, staying with the majority of, of your training or your programming, like in that area, then mm-hmm. you can, you can shift your training more towards baseball. Um, kind of as you become more and more competent in, mm-hmm. in what the needs are for that athlete. But I think like, um, yeah, like, so like I got my start with, uh, uh, elderly individuals with Parkinson's disease. Okay. And I was like, no, I'm, I need to be training elite middle distance runners. Right. So like, what, how is this, how is this going to help me out? Like Mm -hmm. I learned so much from that experience that I still use today with any athlete that I'm working with, whether they're an adult endurance athlete who's training for an Ironman or whether they're a youth athlete training for soccer, like Mm -hmm. there's still tons of overlap there. So no, absolutely. man. man. And, and I think, you know, a piece of advice, I actually read from a guy named Tony Genicor. If you, if you ever follow Tony's stuff, he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I read this advice and I, I was doing it without knowing what I was doing, but he said for anybody, if you want to work with a football, baseball, basketball, whatever you want to do in life, he said, I would, I would advise you to work in a general population gym for two to three years, get your feet wet, get used to training everybody. You know, you, you talked about training senior citizens, training those people, training uh, younger generations, training overweight moms who are trying to lose 15 pounds, whatever it is. He said, get your feet wet, get used to talking to people, get used to writing programs. And it's mm-hmm. kind of getting the flow down before you jump into a niche. Um, like I said, I did it by mistake. I wasn't meaning to do it. I just needed a job at the time, but it, it's, it's turned out very well. Um, and kind of going back to what you're talking about, earlier, you know, trying to, trying to figure out a new niche that you're not familiar with. Um, I'll be honest, man. When I first got a baseball, 
not being in the baseball world was a very big insecurity for me. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I was insecure about, um, you know, I'm hanging out with guys who were drafted in the first round, second round, third round. And I'm mm-hmm. sitting like, Oh yeah, I stopped playing baseball in eighth grade. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so, But, but it's funny, you know, I think at, at first it was insecurity. Um, and then you feel comfortable telling people that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in a way it was a blessing because I not only had to figure things out, I had to go back and ask everything. So I had no bias going into it. I'd had no, well, when I played baseball, this is what we did in high school. I had none of that. So mm-hmm. I literally started from ground zero and just kind of built that foundation. And, and what I thought was insecurity was a crutch has actually been a blessing. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Like it's all about your perspective. I think like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And I think as soon as you start to make a little, uh, a little progress and you understand like, Oh, I can, I don't have to know everything about baseball in order to make this athlete better at, at that sport. Mm -hmm. Right. If I make them more athletic, if I make them more resilient, if I make it so that they can deal with the wear and tear of such a long, intense season where you're playing, you know, who knows how many games per Mm -hmm. week, three plus games a week. Um, At least. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's, what's crazy, man. Like cross country, like that's the sport that I'm coaching right now. And Mm -hmm. we have one race a week maybe like we put all our eggs in one basket. It's like such Mm -hmm. a different way of, of training and competing versus a sport like baseball, where like you've got multiple training sessions, lifting sessions in games in a week. Like it's, Mm -hmm. uh, it's got its own unique, uh, set of challenges, I'm sure. So, um, before I forget, like, do you still, uh, like, have you kind of lost your love for the sport of soccer you still a big soccer fan no man i still watch the ton uh qualifiers are actually coming for the world cup thursday man so i still watch the ton um yeah you know, i'm still a fan of the u.s national team still watch it on tv i'm still uh, i actually talked to my high school coach last night um so you know i'm still a huge fan man it's just a uh it's just a different world i found myself in <laughs> so yeah but I, yeah. I i'm one of those guys man, i really enjoy all sports like there's not a sport if you turn on the tv i'm like i'm not watching this i i watch i'm a sport junkie i watch everything so. yeah so about oh probably six or seven years ago i started watching uh premier league and mm-hmm. like i've just been a big arsenal fan ever since yeah yeah, but it's the only, the only really thing that's changed right now. now, man, is uh, when I look at a soccer field now, I'm like, good God, can I run that far right now? <laughs> you know, so I'm probably I'm probably about 60 pounds over my playing weight now. So I'm not not a bad way. But, you know, I'm, you know, when I was playing, I was super skinny. So, now yeah. like, man, that field looks really big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Yeah. And you end up running, you know, five plus oh, yeah. miles a game, oh, depending yeah. on yeah. what position you're at. It's yeah, crazy. last. <laughs> Maybe goalie. Mm-hmm. Just chill there. Yeah, probably my only my only one choice right now. So, mm. so what do you think about uh, uh, Ronaldo going back to Man U? Uh, I love it, man. I actually loved him when he was there. So it was uh, it's one of those things where I, you know if I heard correctly, he was like flying to to meet Manchester City, and all of a sudden he's at United. So I don't know if it was a dirty move or what happened, but somebody somebody got wind of it and called him home. Made a deal. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's, it's good. Man. I, think that's, I think that's where you should end up. So, yeah, it's um, going to be exciting, man. This season's going to yeah. be crazy. So, I still have a hypothesis. I think he ends up in Miami when it's all said and done. But lastly, in his 40s, he's 44, 45. I think yeah. he ends up in Miami. Yeah. So, we'll wow. see. That'd be cool. That'd be nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, 
All right, man, let's get into some of like the, the meat and potatoes or like the, mm-hmm. you know, the substance. So when you're mm-hmm. programming for the baseball or softball athlete, like what are your pillars? What are your priorities? What are you making sure uh, is a focus for, for your, your programming in general, your, your right. training plan specifically? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think even before I get into those, man, the first thing I do is I, I do an assessment. So I, I call them in and, and a big part of my assessment is literally just talking to them, asking them questions, trying to figure out their personality, trying to figure out what makes them take a little bit. Um, you know, when a kid comes in and train with me, um, are they doing most of the talking or is their parent doing most of the talking? And I can kind of mm. get a sense of, hey, this 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 kid really wants to be here or he's just here because his mom's drugging him by the coattail. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, before, before I even do an assessment, I mean, I probably speak to them for at least, I would say 30 minutes, just getting a feel, you know, tell me about, you know, any injury history. Tell me about, um, your baseball, tell me about your baseball schedule. You play in travel, you play in high school, um, how many positions you play just, this is as much information as I can possibly get. Mm-hmm. Um, once I get past the assessment, man, I, you know, kind of get into moving pillars, um, like you mentioned earlier with soccer and baseball, that's where the foundation for, for most things for me is the same, you know, 85% of what I do with a baseball player at first, I would do with a soccer player. You know, so we're, you know, we're making sure we can squat well, we're making sure we can hit pins, making sure we can lunge, do push-ups, uh, pull your own weight, things of that nature. So, you know, the first, you know, couple months, if you watch me train a baseball player, you might not know. Um, I, I lost there. your video. Can I get back into it, man? So once, you know, what I was saying was once I get back and, uh, and train baseball players and soccer players, whoever it is, the first couple mm-hmm. of months, probably, probably, probably pretty similar, man. Um, we're doing those foundational movements. Um, so it's nothing overly complicated. Um, and once we get those in, man, I'm kind of, you know, trying to do my best to, to blend the assessment to what they need, um, to what I see with my own eyes. So um, mm-hmm. that kind of helps answer a little bit of that question. Awesome. For sure. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, the assessment. What mm-hmm. do you have like a kind of like a set structure for like, all right, I'm going to do this test. I'm going to do this test. I'm going to do like, do you have it set up that way? Or is it kind of just, uh, is it more of like the quote unquote art or more of the science or kind of a blending right. of the two? It's something, it's something overly complicated, man. Um, I, I look at everything over from head to toe. So everything from um, ankle range of motion to hip, hip mobility to uh, especially the shoulders. Uh, like I see how the scalp they move on the rib cage. Um, mm-hmm. I'll get all that stuff out of my way. And then, I'll, I'll, then I'll, we'll do basic stuff. You know, ask them to do a bodyweight squat. Ask them to, to do a, you know, inline lunge, you know, kind of a little bit of FMS blended in there as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say I want to see what kind of shoulder external rotation, internal rotation to have, you know, everything they're throwing with. Um, you know, I think a lot of people forget, you know, pitching a baseball, throwing a baseball in general is a full body event. So even though we've talked about the shoulder, you know, the shoulder, the elbow so much, um, it, you do have to take the, the rest of the body into account. So if a kid is trying to load in his back hip and you put him on a table and he's got absolutely no external rotation, he's probably going to struggle with that. So that's always, a, um, you know, it's the piece of the puzzle. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Awesome. So, uh, when it comes to, um, like assessing, let's say Mm -hmm. the throwing arm or the pitching arm versus Mm -hmm. the non-throwing arm, like, are you looking for symmetry? Are you looking for, um, uh, like what, what would you consider kind of like a red flag versus Mm -hmm. like, normal for a baseball athlete that might not necessarily be normal for the non-throwing athlete 
Well, so I'll, I'll look at both arms. So I'll look at the, the, the non-dominant, non-throwing arm first. So I'll see how much external rotation, internal rotation they have in that, in that shoulder. Um, and then I'll look at their throwing side. And that kind of gives me an idea of, you know, where quote unquote normal is for them. So mm-hmm. if the kid lays back into hundred and we'll say 120 degrees on his left side and he lays back into a, his left side is his non-dominant side. And he lays into 140 degrees of external rotation on his throwing side. Um, you know, we're hoping to see probably maybe 80 degrees of internal on his non-dominant side and 60 degrees of internal on his, on a strong side. So that means the total range of motion and the shoulder is, is not the exact every time, but we want the total range of motion um, in each shoulder to be somewhat, somewhat close. Um, mm-hmm. Now the arc might be a little different. So he might have more external rotation and less internal on a strong side mm-hmm. and less external and more internal on his non-throwing side, which is totally normal in the baseball yeah. athlete. Um, we're looking to, not, not so much a symmetry from that, but so much more of a symmetry in total range of motion. So um, if a kid has 150 total range on his left side, hopefully his right side is somewhat in that ballpark. Um, gotcha. But yeah, another, the, other, the only red flag for me in terms of um, that kind of stuff, man, I one of the biggest things for me is when we look at things like external rotation, which everybody wants to talk about in terms of throwing velocity and getting more of, I want to see as much active range of motion as possible. So if a kid comes to me and he's got a ton of layback, we'll say 150 degrees and he's only got control of hundred degrees of that, you know, that to me, that's, I don't want to say a red flag, but it is something that needs to be addressed. Um, because mm-hmm. as that kid jumps in, whether it be a, you know, a weighted ball program or an aggressive throwing program um, that, that potentially is a problem at that point. Mm-hmm. So. gotcha yeah no i i see some of the same things like if you can if you can get a certain range of motion and i can take you there passively but then mm-hmm. you can't access that actively like mm, mm-hmm. all right we've got some stuff we definitely have to clean up just because if you don't have control once we get past a certain range of motion then mm-hmm. especially if it's under load like uh with my athletes we're talking about running or sprinting and the more you sprint the higher that ground reaction force becomes um right if you can't control it under just your body weight then how are you going to be able to control that when you're at three four five six seven plus times your body Mm -hmm. weight and ground reaction force so i imagine like what kind of forces are we talking about with throwing and pitching I mean, you talk about the, the shoulder, it will in turn, you know, internally rotate as much as 7,000 degrees per second. Um, wow. You know, you'll often hear it as, you know, the fastest motion in all sports, which is weird to think about, but, you know, nothing else we can mimic in the weight room or anywhere else is nearly that fast. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, throwing is one of those things where I tell people it's probably the worst thing you can do for your shoulder. Now, with that being said, you have to play baseball, right? So our job isn't to totally, you know, get rid of throwing out. So we're just trying to prepare, prepare the body as much as possible to withstand some of that force and, and, and educate the kids on, 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 how to, on how to stay healthy. Because as anybody knows, if you've, you know, read anything in, in the SEC world and in the, in the baseball community right now, there's a ton of injuries still happening. Um, and it seems to go up a little bit each and every year. So with, with more research being out, so um, which is kind of weird to me, but, you know, um, we have, we have some numbers to look at, we have some research to look at, but we're not always doing the right things, whether it be on the baseball field or in the weight room for that matter. So sure. Definitely. I agree with you there. There's always room for improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this might be, uh, don't mean to throw you a curveball. However, uh, um, so in the sport of running, there's, there's this, 
let's call one camp over here that talks about mm-hmm. how if you can't decelerate a certain load, then mm-hmm. your body will probably not allow you to accelerate to that level. Right. Okay. So then there's another camp that says, uh, it doesn't, it's not so much based off load application and load absorption or force mm-hmm. absorption. It it's more to do with how well you can manage a collision. Mm-hmm. So like that's two completely separate ways to think about sprinting mechanics because right. one says uh, if there's a, a knee valgus and ankle collapse, then you're just asking for not only injury, but you're leaking a ton of mm-hmm. energy that could be recycled into propelling you forward. While mm-hmm. this other camp that's looking at things from the managing collision perspective is more along the lines of, no, this is a perfectly valid way to, um, to utilize gravity and then think about falling forward mm-hmm. to the finish line, let's say. So mm-hmm. uh, is there, are there like competing camps when it comes to your ability to not just generate force to throw a ball, but also like how important is it to, to decelerate that throwing arm after, mm-hmm. after the ball's release, like what, what's the kind of, uh, what's the climate like with regards to philosophy there? Um, I'm trying to think here. <laughs> well, you've probably, you've probably got a, you probably got a handful here. So you have the guys who are completely baseball guys and the weight room is, you know, the antichrist, if you will, it's, it's don't go into the weight room. It's not doing any good for you. Um, mm-hmm. Those guys to me are becoming less and less in the community. Um, but there are still some very prominent names, you know, without saying name, there's a guy who won the Cy Young, um, the Cy Young award back in the seventies, who was very, very outspoken in the baseball community about how the weight room is just steer away from every baseball player. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the in the baseball realm, I think we've gone from guys who are um, a little too far in the weight room um, to where it's like, hey, man, like these kids still have to be good at the skill of throwing a baseball. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's got to be a happy blend here. So, um, you know, like like I'm sure in running, right, everything is right, usually comes back to the middle. We have somebody who goes far to the left, somebody who goes far to the right. When the right place is probably in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of deceleration. Um, there's definitely a component for me, you know, what's the old saying? Like, don't, don't ask somebody to, to accelerate in a car before they have the brakes. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely think there's truth to that in baseball. Um, I think a good, I think a good bit of that is a blend between, you know, things we can do in the weight room, um, in terms of even if it's a, a lunge, you know, if the kid can't do a forward lunge, you know, good luck coming down the mountain as fast as you can. Um, mm-hmm. and it's also, it's also a blend of, you know, them being comfortable in their throwing mechanics. Um, so I kind of hope that answers that. <laughs> answers that a little bit um, for sure but for me yeah it's a little bit of both right um i've seen kids who you know they're also their pitching coach hey man he can't lock out his his front leg when he lands to fall through on a pitch okay well let's see him do a lunge well, the kid crumbles like a, a cookie when he goes to do a lunge so mm-hmm. let's maybe fix this and see if it can translate to that and what i often find man is good movement is good movement if we can take a kid and give him just a little bit of strength in the weight room get him moving well i think it makes his mechanics a lot better um, on the baseball side of things. So cool. Awesome. Yeah. That's uh that can be a tough one when you're dealing with, uh, with someone who's so set kind of in their philosophy of like, mm, this is how I'm going to do it. And 
if there's an athlete that could get a huge benefit from just doing a little bit of work in the weight room, but they're like, mm, mm-hmm. no, we're just going to continue to make them do this really poor okay. movement pattern, like over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And that's, that's what'll fix it is you just do more of it. Like, no, but maybe yeah. not. So, um, yeah. I, I, so what it's, one thing I tell coaches is, is make sure you're not, mechanically asking them to do something they can't physically do mm. you know so if you can't if like i said to go back to the lunge example if you can't do a four lunge reverse lunge and you're asking a kid to load his back hip and, and come down hard on that front leg like he might get it he just physically can't get there as a as of yet so mm-hmm. that's where i, I come in that. hopefully <laughs> sweet so that kind of leads me into uh kind of my next train of questions or train of thought which is what are, what are some other issues or what are some other hurdles that you have to deal with either with other coaches or with athletes, with parents, um, mm-hmm. as specifically to, to this niche or just in general as a, as a strength and conditioning, uh, professional. Yeah. I think it's probably somewhat of the cross country world right now, man. Um, I think it's changed the narrative of the narrative of what SNC is. You know, mm. so a lot of people have an idea of what they think I do. Like, you know, they think, hey, don't hurt them. Like, well, like, duh, like, what do you think I do? And you, know, you guys do heavy, heavy squats, heavy bench press. I'm like, yeah, we do do we do move heavy weight at times, but mm-hmm. it's not it's not your your dad's weight room back in 1991. Like, so think of it like that. So I think that's a big part of it is just respectfully questioning, but also respectfully educating parents, you know, cause a lot of them are, you know, they have good intentions for their kids. They, they want them to get better. They're coming to see you for a reason. Um, it's just respectfully telling them, Hey, you know, I get your idea about that, but this is kind of how we do it. Um, and you know, you feel free to ask any questions. Um, that's the biggest hurdle I have for me. Kids are kids to me are easy. You get them in the weight room. Um, you tell them, Hey, this is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing this as compared to this. And you, 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 for most of them, you'll see a light bulb start to go off the first month. Mm-hmm. They think you're going to, you know, turn the music up to Led Zeppelin and, and, and bang out heavy squats and do all this stuff. I mean, we have days where we do go heavy. Um, but I think once you, once you kind of educate them on why you're doing something, the light bulb clicks, and then they'll come back to you from like a school setting or whatever it might be. And like, coach, like, do you believe we're doing this still? Um, the kids to me are generally easier. It's mm-hmm. the parents and it's the sports coaches. They're a little bit tougher to reach sometimes. Like I said, that's just them, you know, being, you know, a little bit older. They've been around a little bit longer. They've seen worse things. So, um, you know, when, when one of us are telling them, hey, do this, this, and this, you know, they've already been told, you know, the wrong thing about a hundred people before that. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, going back to, if I had to simply put that answer, uh, respectfully educate is the is the biggest obstacle um and change the narrative of, of what we do as coaches i love it man yeah i think so often it's uh it's like i could i could talk to this person i could i just don't have the time i'm busy and like if you mm-hmm. like it takes time it takes effort it takes you know that's that's probably time that you're not getting paid but for sure it's well, su- it's so important well, and that's where, you know, you talked about social media earlier. That's where, to mm. me, a big part of social media is. And that's one reason why I use it as much as I do. Not because I'm trying to show how much I can deadlift or bench press, whatever. It's because I want to use that as my resume as a teaching tool. So when somebody says, hey, you should go train with Brett Cummins, you know, they can get on my Instagram or Facebook, whatever it might be. And I'm like, okay, this, this is what this guy does. Okay, that makes sense. You mm. know, so if it's just pictures of me with my shirt off and like, you know, posting for the mirror, they're going to be like, I'm not going to see this guy. So um, that would be, I know we'll probably talk about this later as well, but that'd be one piece of advice I'll give to any young trainer, any, any trainer in the industry is like, 
don't just use your social media as a bragging tool. Use it as a teaching tool to reach people. And so when they come to you, they already have an idea of, you know, what you're kind of about. I love it. So let's, uh, let's jump back into some of the, some of the things you brought up earlier, specifically about, um, about, you know, how throwing or pitching is a full body exercise. So Mm -hmm. how this brings me up back to, uh, a specific post that I reached out to you about, which was Mm -hmm. where you were discussing pelvic positioning and how, you know, the position of your hips is directly related to your ability to, you know, to throw the ball or scapula thoracic Mm -hmm. mechanics. So, uh, how does posture, how does your pelvic position, how does your hip range of motion, how does all of that affect scapula thoracic mechanics and throwing mechanics and overhead stuff? Simple way I explain it to people, man, I tell people, think about the pelvis as a platform, right? And everything's on top of that platform. So if your pelvis is off or whether it's anterior tilt, posterior tilt, it's going to affect what your spine's doing. If your spine is affected, it's going to affect what your, what your scalp is doing. If your scalp is affected, it's going to affect what your, what your glenohumeral joint or your shoulder's doing. If that's affected, it's going to affect your ball release, which is going to affect the pitch. So it's all goes all goes hand in hand now it's not always that simple um but if you've got a kid coming to me and and they're locked out looking at with a big anterior tilt and they can't figure out why their shoulders and everyone that might be a piece of the puzzle we gotta fix um mm-hmm. so simply put man i always think about the pelvis is just a platform for everything else you know everything pitching and really anything with power starts with the hips you know if you can't control the pelvis you're gonna have a hell of a time trying to pitch a baseball so um and that to me going not not going too far down this one that to me is what separates the the good pitchers from the great pitchers the guys who can control the pelvis the guys who can who can dictate their hips and and then basically pushing out from there whether it be the lower half or the upper half um so when like the kids i've i've trained the the personally trained that have thrown 95 to 100 miles per hour and have played at vanderbilt or played in professional baseball when you watch those guys throw a baseball versus the 15 year old kid who's throwing 75, like you can notice, but like, dude, look at this guy's hips. They're incredible. You know? Mm-hmm. So that to me is where it starts. Um, and, you know, not going too far down the, the injury hole too, but you know, a lot of guys, especially in baseball, kind of get that extension based posture, that anterior tilt. Um, one thing we know about baseball as well um, is we've had a ton of lower back injuries, especially at the college. And they've kind of creeped down to the youth level in the last couple of years. Um, I get a lot of parse fractures, a lot of spines, man. A lot of kids who are we're seeing injuries in, in 14 year olds now that I'm like, good God, you have a broken lumbar, man. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. at this young of an age. And mm-hmm. some of it is simply is simply being in that like kind of that extension based pattern. And then you're doing it under a heavy load. So like, hey, man, you have a big anterior tilt. Well, it doesn't hurt me. Well, it doesn't hurt yet. But when you go and squat 400 pounds at school and you're locked out with 400 pounds in your back, there's a possibility that's going to feel probably going to feel worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it all, it all from injury prevention standpoint to performance standpoint, it all kind of ties in. That's crazy, man. Like that's one of those things that, uh, when I first started to understand pelvic mechanics, like I, so I injured my back big time when I was in college, uh, in mm-hmm. between, uh, during my junior year. And, man, like once it was a huge problem. Like I had back pain all the time until I finally understood like, Oh, my back pain is coming directly from this excessive anterior Mm -hmm. pelvic tilt. And then once I was able to figure out what was going on there and how to correct it and how Mm -hmm. to make some changes and 
big time difference. So oh, yeah. yeah, if you ever had lower back pain, it will change the way you think about training for sure. Um, anybody that's had it gone through that. So it's a, uh, it's lower back pain is probably one of the worst things you ever have, man. It makes, makes sleeping terrible. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, everything, not a fun thing. everything gets affected by that. So how, how do you assess pelvic positioning? What are you looking at? Are you doing like table assessments with something like Thomas test or like you just looking and watching? Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely, you know, something like the Thomas test, you know, kind of testing their hip, uh, their hip extension is, is an easy test to perform. Um, a lot of that, I mean, you can kind of just put them on table where you stand in the mirror, look at it, you know, ask them to obviously probably get their shirt off real quick. Um, mm-hmm. And I've had some kids, man, like obviously you have a little lordotic curve, their natural curve, but some kids, it looks like a bowl of cereal. Like, I mean, the thing just dips in and you're like, good God, I mean, is that hurt? And sometimes they have, yes, you know, sometimes, and sometimes you'll put them in a provocative test, you know, we'll ask them to kind of get in the push-up position, sag their hips and drive their, and drive their, um, their chest up. And right away, you know, you get, oh man, that feels really bad, really tight. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's easy, easy as that. That to me is one of those, it's not hard to, 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 to see. Um, anybody that's, that's been around anybody can probably look at a kid walking in. He's got that big open rib cage and kind of that big open rib flare, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. Their butt is usually poked out a little bit and they got that big sway in their back. So um, mm-hmm. that to me isn't a, it's it's not a hard one to find, but it can be a hard one to fix in terms of you can do all the correctives you want to man. You can do the supine bridges, you can do you know whatever hip mobility drill you 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 favor. Um, the, the key is the education component and telling this kid like, hey man, this is the issue. We're gonna do this to fix it snare. But when you go back to school, when you go wherever you are, like you can't do a hundred correctives here, then go back to your weight room. And like I said earlier, squat 400 pounds in your back, look up at the ceiling, open up that rib cage again, because everything we just did is all for nothing now. Mm-hmm. Um, two, two, and I think it's about educating people too on um, like the open, the open rib cage, the anterior tilt. Um, it's not always a kid's fault. Sometimes just the nature of throwing a baseball, you know? Mm-hmm. So when you're throwing a hundred miles an hour, man, you're cranking back in that spine, like things are going to happen. It's the nature of the beast. So um, I think it's up to us to recognize it. Um, help them fix it, but then also give them the education component on, Hey, like, this is why it's happening. I would address this every single all season, be aware of this. So, yeah, I think, uh, you're touching on something that'll, uh, there's nuance here. And a lot of people would, would generally like early on, I would have in my career, I would have jumped on like anterior pelvic tilt. This is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Well, then I started to realize there's a lot of high end sprinters, like 100, 200, even the 400 where an anterior pelvic tilt is probably like, if there's a, a sprinter who has a huge anterior pelvic tilt, that's probably mm-hmm. an adaptation to mm-hmm. sprinting. Like absolutely. They, the reason they're good at that activity, that movement is because their body has adapted to that. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is the outcome of doing sprints all the time. So yeah. Is it a problem? Is it a bad thing? Well, right. only if it's causing problems. Only if right. only if they're in pain. Only if it's uh, only if it's causing negative outcomes. Only if their performance is is mm-hmm. being affected by it. So I right. think that's one of those things. Like you might have a kid come in who has, you know, at first glance, like, oh man, this is bad. You see a move, mm-hmm. like, oh well, you know. Okay. Maybe we don't need to get them into a posterior pelvic tilt and get them locked into that position. Maybe like there's, you know, there's this range that we need. Yeah. And and as a coach, man, you made a great point there. Like that's something I think you, you change as you mature as a coach, like, Hey, 
I don't know, for instance, I've got a kid who plays catcher and um, he's in the minor leagues right now. And if you put him on the table and measured his, his hip external rotation, you'd be like, can this guy even move? Like, it's terrible. <laughs> but then you watch him play the game of baseball, and he's probably one of the best defensive catchers in the minor leagues right now. He hmm. gets into his catching position so easy, and he gets out of it even better. So it's like, well, hmm. I don't know if I want to change that or not. Like, let's let's do enough to where you make sure it's not affecting your knees or you're not hurting or anything like that. But, dude, yep. if you're doing this, like, let's just kind of keep the like, ball rolling a little bit. Now, if it's a 14-year-old kid who's like, man, I can't get into my catching position, it's hard for me to stand up, well, then let's talk a little bit. And, and mm-hmm. that's where it might even – that's where the, the skill level of the player might even, um, you know, kind of dictate what you're going to do as a coach. Um, you know, I've always heard in sprinting, and you probably know more, about more than I do, I've always heard, you know, do you really want to make guys calves that, that loose, you know, guys have tight calves or is the tight calf, you know, helping them push off harder, you know? So mm-hmm. you got to be careful of what you're doing. Isn't taking away from something on why they're so great, you know? Um, so. For sure. Yeah. Like what, what's going to transfer force better, something that's jello-y or something mm-hmm. that's a little more stiff. And yeah, yeah, that's one of those things. Like you, you don't want to be stuck in a range of motion where you're not able to uh, take advantage fully of the stretch shortening cycle. But at the same time, if, I mean, if you've got a hypermobile hip, knee and ankle, then trying mm-hmm. to apply a lot of force just probably yeah. isn't going to happen. So, yeah, yeah. That's where like the timing, like the impulse and mm-hmm. uh, like all of that comes into play that, um, that reactive strength index. Like it's not just range of motion and, you know, how much weight you can move. It's the speed mm-hmm. of contraction and the change from concentric to eccentric to concentric and, you know, mm-hmm. dynamic stabilization is in there as well. So it's all, yeah. it's, 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 it's always evolving. Isn't it? <laughs> it's crazy, man. Like I, right out of grad school, I was like, I know enough. But I'm yeah. going to keep learning, oh, yeah. but like I know enough. And like, oh, yeah. the more, you know, the more you're like, wow, I don't know. Well, anything. It's it's funny. And I'm sure you get these two, man. I'll get, I'll get questions from people on Instagram or Facebook, whatever it might be. And people ask me and they want like a very direct, like, Hey man, this is hurting. Give me a stretch to fix it. And I'm like, Oh dude, it could be a million things. I'm not even sure what I'm going to tell you is going to work. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. kind of like, I tell people this, I don't mean it in a disrespectful way. Like some, some, there are some coaches that throw shit against the wall and see what sticks. Yep. And sometimes you'll have luck, but we're all mm-hmm. kind of doing that. The difference is like the good coaches are seeing what sticks and they're kind of, okay, this is why this is happening. And they're, they're kind of questioning their own methods. Some coaches mm-hmm. are just taking blast stab in the dark and, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, so but yeah, man, the, the more, the more you, the more you learn, the more you get around, the more you appreciate, like, there's no simple answer. And just when you figure it out, some outlier kid walks in your gym and you're like, well, that there was everything what I just set off. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I get that one a lot. Like, Oh, coach, my something hurts. What stretch should I do? And I'm like, well, if I can't assess you, then I like, maybe stretching is the last thing you need to do. Maybe you need mm. to strengthen. Like maybe we need to shorten some right. muscle. Maybe you've got too much range of motion here. And, mm. but like everybody's immimediate go-to when something hurts is stretch. Oh, what stretch. Yeah. And there's right. times where stretch it. like, yeah, I, yeah. I had an athlete. In fact, I had her earlier uh, today. I've been working with her um, consistently for about three months now. And uh, when we first did her assessment, like she's, 
like hypermobile everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so uh, she's at practice one day and her legs are hurting and she's like, coach, what do I do? And like, this was to her sport coach. This wasn't to me, mm-hmm. but you know, they're like, Oh, your calf hurts. Oh, let's stretch it. And I'm like, right. I don't want yeah. you. I don't want you stretching. Yeah. Like right. <laughs> it mean, hurts. Cause there's too much movement. So yeah. you can literally bend over, you stand up, put your legs straight, put your palms flat on the floor. And it's like you, your hamstrings yeah. are fine. <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, exactly. Uh, yeah, yep. and I get that, I get that a lot in baseball too, man. You know, I think people forget sometimes is you know the shoulder is, is the most mobile joint in the body. I mean, that thing is made to move in every direction possible. So um, <clears throat> when you've got 160 degrees of external rotation, we probably don't need to stretch no more external rotation. You know, hmm. so it's 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 sometimes when you say it out loud, it's obvious, but then we see it being applied in the weight room or the baseball field, wherever it may be. It's 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 like, oh yeah, what what, what are we doing here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of those things. It's easy. <clears throat> sometimes it's easy to uh, shut certain parts of the brain off when you're uh, when you're on the field or when you're in the oh, weight yeah. room or like, yeah. Yep. It's, it's hard to stay to keep everything on all at the same <clears throat> time, just because. Yeah. So let's uh, let's shift to a little bit of uh, this one's a fun one for me sometimes, and other times it causes me just uh, all kinds of headaches. <clears throat> so because of things like social media, where there's people who um, either don't have a lot of experience or who uh, just one day decide, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to be a a strength coach or I'm going to be a performance coach, or I'm going to be a personal trainer. And like, Mm -hmm. I know people who have done that, who are very good at what they do, but there's Mm -hmm. also a lot of people that I, I call them tourists in our industry. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they think that they're just going to jump into this field and, and change it completely. And they're going to be super successful. And six months down the road, they are like, uh, okay, this is stupid. I'm going to, I'm getting out and I'm going to go sell insurance or I'm going to go back to my other job or I'm going to do something different. Mm -hmm. And like this field is not for everybody. So this isn't like, uh, this is not me trying to like tell people that they shouldn't do this. This is just Mm -hmm. me saying like, this is way harder than most people think it is. And that's not just because of the hours and the amount of prep and cleaning and tearing down that we have to do, you know, afterwards mm-hmm. and all that stuff. This is just, uh, times are changing. We know a, a ton more now than we used to. And if you're not keeping your nose to the grindstone with regards to like learning more, then you're Mm -hmm. probably going to get left behind. So there are, there are sport coaches, there are other strength coaches. There's the, the clinical side, the rehab side that Mm -hmm. uh, is putting out information that maybe isn't uh, up to snuff. Let's say, let's Mm -hmm. say at, at best case scenario, maybe it's not helpful. Worst case scenario, it's actually causing harm. So in in your specific niche, in your realm, do you, do you see specific exercises or drills recommended that you're like, Oh man, I wish that we would just scrap this or that's useful, but only within this context. And it's being, you know, used all the time. Like I, I see it with ladder drills, like, like, Oh, we're doing speed and agility. Well, like, how does that translate to what you're doing specifically in your sport? Like I, I, I want to see a little more than just, oh, we're doing speed and agility. We're doing, you know, 
reaction time and quickness. Like, yeah, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't relate to what you do. So do you see stuff like that? And if so, does it bother you? Yeah. Well, it goes back to the, the respectful education part, right? Like, you know, you gotta be nice to people about things where they'll stop listening to you. Um, sure. You know, without without no disrespect to y'all, I think the, the, the long distance running in baseball is a big problem. Um, I'm not, so stupid, I'm, right? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. Ugh. I'm not sure why. When when I was younger and I had friends that play baseball, they're, I mean, they're always telling me, you know, I played soccer. So they'd be like, why do you, why you want to run? Well, it helps to pitch longer. Well, it, it doesn't, but sure um i to me the long distance running and practice the go run poles the go run around the parking lot is generally because the coach is trying to waste time and has nothing else to do i'll be honest with Mm. you um Mm -hmm. i i don't if you're if you can't finish a 30 minute wait session without almost puking because you're so out of shape then i could put my head around a little bit you know we Mm -hmm. need to get a little more base if you will um, mm-hmm. But for vast majority of baseball players, what I tell guys, just just be just good enough, just good enough. You don't have to be an elite level cross country runner. You don't have to be an elite level bench presser. Just be good enough to where it helps you just as much as you need. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's the that's the big one I see still. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know who told people it was a good idea to run from pole to pole in baseball. That's still a thing that a lot of people do, and I. I I don't know why, you know, I, I wish I could give a reason behind it. Um, maybe somebody can jump on a comment after the, after we talk here today. Um, from an exercise standpoint, I think it's all, it's all relative, but all, you know, a good exercise for somebody can be a bad one for the next guy over, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm not, people always call me anti, anti back score, anti bench press. I'm not anti those things. I just don't think they're a great option for most kids um, and mm-hmm. most people in general, because um, you know, the, the barbell back squat at stake, you know, a lot of people, whether it be, we talked earlier, if I have a kid who's um, anterior pelvic tilt, I'm not going to put him under a barbell right now. Uh, if I've taken a kid who can't externally rotate back with both shoulders to get under the bar safely, he's not going under the barbell. Um, mm-hmm. Just in my experience with it, when most kids come back to me from, whether it be a high school weight training program or something they've done their own, when they report a lower back injury, when they report a knee injury or something's hurting, nine times out of 10 what were you doing today we were doing heavy barbell back squats and that's Mm -hmm. that's just my anecdotal observation Mm -hmm. um you know but those would be the main two um the distance running drives me nuts and i i still don't know why i think people have this (laughs) idea of well if i can run if i can run farther i can pitch longer no if you want to pitch longer you know be smart about upping your uh, upping your pitch count you know mm-hmm. it makes sense right if you want to run longer what do you do you you, you build a better running program if you want to go yep. farther into the games you you build a better throwing program mm-hmm. um the strength training stuff um it just kind of depends person to person um i told i told one guy i don't deadlift a kid i train i i don't deadlift anymore we deadlift almost i probably deadlift trap bar deadlifts um, probably 95% of my baseball athletes. And so a physical therapist came in not too long ago and talked to me. He goes, well, why don't you deal with him? I was like, he goes, everything checks out. He's good. I was like, I, I don't, I can't put my head on exactly why, but every time he deadlifts something in his mid back just crushes him. Like it hurts. We mm-hmm. can't throw a ball the next day. I'm like, I don't know the exact reason why. All I do know is that hurts him and he can't throw the next day. And it just makes sense. So like, Hey, let's just eliminate that. We don't have to mm-hmm. do it. You yep. know, so um, sometimes I think it's just putting your biases aside, it's putting your ego aside. I'm like, dude, if this sucks, if it's hurting them, why are we doing it? You know, it's that simple yeah. sometimes. So, yeah, and I'm sure he's still doing hip hinges. I'm sure he's still doing yep. 
movement patterns that are still stressing and straining his his the physiological kick, the kick systems. In, the kick into an RDL two seventy five with perfect technique and nothing bothers him, but he gets under a trap bar deadlift and his back all of a sudden starts hurting. Hmm. And, you know, and you look at his form and it looks good, but for whatever reason, how he's pulling it, it just doesn't feel good to him. That's fine. Hmm. We'll change it up. Yep. You know. Yeah, so. that's that's the thing. Like you you shouldn't be married to any specific lift just because mm-hmm. you're gonna have somebody who comes along who mm, it's not gonna work well for him and then yeah. what do you do you either scrap that athlete uh, you don't fit my system this is my system or right. say okay i need to adapt my system to this athlete to make it work for them mm-hmm. that's yeah. one of those things so um that that's a perfect segue into my next question so uh, what's, do you have a message that like, okay, you're in front of, you know, every single other strength and conditioning coach or sport performance coach, like mm-hmm. what would, what would you tell them? Oh goodness. Um, the best piece of advice I got, and I actually read it from Mike Boyle. Um, and I don't know if this is a Mike original. I think he said he got this from a book. It's been an hour a day just learning something new. Was watching a podcast, listening to a video, reading whatever you can do. If you can do that for seven years, you'll be one of the best in your region. If you can learn an hour a day for ten years and apply that, you'll be one of the best, you know, nationally um, after a decade. Um, I'm not quite there yet. I think I'm on my. I think I'm starting to get there a little bit. Um, but. I remember hearing Mike say that and I took it like so personal. And this is me at like my first year in, in personal training. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do that. So like every day at lunch, I go to Dunkin' Donuts and I just read for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's frustrating because like we talked about when we first got on, you're doing all this learning, you're doing all this education and you still have like three clients, you know, so you, nobody's quite trusting you yet. You're still eating ramen noodles at nighttime. You're still struggling and mm-hmm. you're getting smarter and you can feel yourself pushing forward, but you know, financially, you're not there mentally. It's a strain because you're getting to work every day at 5 a.m. to train three people, you know, mm-hmm. so I, be consistent. And like what we tell kids in training, right? Show up every day, no matter what, if you if, if you want to or not, be consistent mm-hmm. and show up. I yep. tell the same thing to coaches, be consistent, show up. Um, what you're at, what you're asking the athletes to do, you do too. And without getting too far off in the question, I think a hard thing for me transitioning from an athlete to a coach was as an athlete, how do you get better? Right. You go, you practice your sport, you, whether, you know, whether it be cross country or soccer, you practice the skill set and hopefully you get better. When mm-hmm. I first got into coaching, that was the hard part for me to figure out was, OK, I want to be good. But how do you be good? Like, how do you how do you be a good coach? Like what makes a great coach? Mm-hmm. You know, um, something we haven't really touched on was the soft skills. You know, um, Brett Bartholomew is a guy I've followed for a long time. And Brett has helped shed a lot of light on the soft skills of coaching for me. You know, how mm-hmm. to avoid burnout, how to avoid getting tired of what you're doing, even though you do love it. Um, but I would say that, man, try to spend an hour a day, whether it's listening to something um, every single day, if you can, um, learning. Um, and then do your best to figure out like what makes – Think about, you know, in your head, what makes a great coach and then try to be that coach, right? Like, um, I think the soft skills for me um, are, are, are something most coaches are probably lacking in some in some way. Um, you know, mm-hmm. can you talk to every client you have? Can you relate to them? Do you know a lot about their family? Do you know nothing? You know, um, one thing I try to figure out about all my kids is, you know, what they what they like to listen to, favorite movies, um, what do their parents do for a living? Do they have any siblings? That way, when they come to the gym, hey, hey man, did your mom get that job, by the way? You know, whatever it is. Things mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. um, I know I kind of went on a rant there, but. <laughs> no, that's good. So. Like, 
uh, my mentor, uh, it's a guy named Ambrose. Like one of the things that he told me like early on, cause I was, when I came to work with him, I was just out of grad school, but I was still in like academic mode. I was like all in, like I'm reading mm-hmm. every day, like anytime I have a break, boom, I'm studying. And, uh, one of the things that, you know, he said to me, he's like, Kevin, I love that. Like, keep doing that. But just remember, mm-hmm. like people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. So mm-hmm. like it's, we're coaches, it's personal. You have to be able to communicate. And if you can't relate to your clients or your athletes, then you can know everything that there is to know about getting them better at their sport mm-hmm. or fixing them. Mm-hmm. But like, if you can't meet them eye to eye and right. be able to interact with them, like they're probably going to go see someone else. So don't, don't be weird, man. And, and when I tell <laughs> we've all probably got one or two people we know that when we, when we say this, this comes to mind, like, how, I, I know a guy right now, I'm thinking about this. He's a great trainer. He knows exactly what he's doing. He could teach you how to squat perfect tomorrow. He's mm-hmm. so freaking weird. Like nobody <laughs> wants to be around him. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. He's just very awkward. Yeah. And yeah. he hasn't learned those soft skills. And he's almost like dug his feet in with him. Like, you know, he won't learn them. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, you're not going to have any clients in, man. You know, mm-hmm. like, you don't have to say, you know, squeeze your gluteus maximus. Just say squeeze your butt. Just say squeeze your butt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yep. nobody cares about that, man. Um, yeah. and, and and every now and again, you will get a, a few guys ask the hey, coach, like, what exactly does this do? Like, what muscle does this work? And then you say, oh, do you golf on your tangent? But mm-hmm. 90% of people, they don't care. They don't that. care. You know, mm-hmm. are you making them feel better? Are they getting better? Are, you know, for some of my adult clients, are they looking better? You know, that's mm-hmm. what they care about. And then if they need an explanation, if they want it one day, then go off on your on your tangent. But um, most people don't want that. Yeah, they're they're not there for a lesson. They're not there like a uh, a science lesson, let's say an anatomy mm-hmm. lesson. Like uh, just will this make me faster? Will this make me stronger? Will this make me more powerful? Will this make me a better athlete? Like right. that's pretty. But yeah. yeah, like you said, there's, there's a time and a place to, to, you know, get into the nitty gritty, but mm-hmm. uh, they'll let you know when, when they want yeah. that. And yeah, some, sure. yeah, some athletes that I've been training for, you know, almost a decade, like they don't care They're but they still, keep still coming back. <laughs> mm-hmm. They don't care, but right. they keep coming right. back because like the results will speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, no, yeah. I'm paying you to know that. I don't need to know it. Like yeah. that's kind of their mentality. Yeah. And one thing, one thing I tell people, uh, there's a, there was a, a woman who became a trainer in my old gym. And so she was just asking for tips, um, things to do, things not to do. And I said, stop giving a history lesson. Every time you explain exercise, you know, instead of mm-hmm. saying, Hey, when your guy was squatting, grip the, grip the dumbbell, the grip the kettlebell, draw your feet in the floor, whatever it might be. You know, she'd be like, well, gobble squats are my favorite exercise. I'm like, dude, nobody cares. Make it simple. <laughs> bullet points. Boom, 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 boom. Get out. You know, like, yeah. just keep it simple. You know, so. That's right. Um, yeah. That's good stuff. So um, is, there, uh, is there anything that you know now that you wish you had known when you were just getting started? Um. Yeah, I think from a programming standpoint, um, I think I worry too much about programming. And I don't mean mm-hmm. that like it's not important because it is important to know. Um, I think I, in my head, especially as I got into the baseball field, you imagine this this perfect block, four weeks we're going to do this, four weeks we're going to do this, and then two weeks we're going to 
it doesn't work like that. And in and, and most team sports, it never will. When you've got that perfect program, a kid comes to you and say, hey, man, I pitched four games last night. What do I do? <laughs> well, shit, we're not doing that now. You know, yeah. so especially in a sport where, let's face it, most baseball players play 10 months of the year. That perfect program you want to do doesn't exist anymore. Um, yeah. The perfect program for me you're close to is literally – we ask kids how they're doing every time they walk in the door. Hey man, what'd you do last night? Did, did you play? Did you practice? How many hours did you get to sleep? And then we can, we have, well, we obviously have our stuff written out in advance, but we can always adjust that. I say, I, you know, my programs, I tell people are never in ink. They're always in pencil. So if mm-hmm. we need to make some adjustments day of make some adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be one there. Um, two, I kind of touched on the last point, the soft skills thing. That was one thing in college. You just don't learn, you know, you, you mm-hmm. can, you can trace the pathway of the blood from the heart to the aorta and all through the body, but you don't, know how to say hey how's it going to a person who walks in the door you know so that yeah. would be another one um and one one this is not a strong suit of me i'm still trying to learn it right now i'm i'm literally taking everything i can the business aspect of things um and i think that's where a lot of trainers struggle you know like hey you probably need to set up an llc what's an llc you know like you just mm-hmm. don't know and that's something else we, we, we're not taught and um yeah. at this point in my career i'm still kind of playing catch up a little bit to be honest with you so um those three things from a program programming standpoint soft skills and, and get better at business um but then you see the other side of things too where people get into the gym because they see it as a business but then they have no business teaching coaching training anybody and it's like oh god yeah yeah <laughs> so it goes both ways it, that's the truth man there's some people who are killing it on instagram because they understand business and like mm-hmm. the quality of the training or the programming it, like it's not there but it doesn't matter mm-hmm like they right. understand how to get new people in the door and how to, right. you know, set up a, yeah. a, a pay funnel and do all the, yeah. So there's uh, ideally you understand that and you understand, you know, a little bit of human physiology and X phys mm-hmm. and strength and conditioning and sport performance. And you can marry those two. And that's, that's one of the things that, that uh, I noticed pretty quick uh, out of, really out of grad school when I started my first, you know, uh, business and mm-hmm. I got a, I went to the bank and I was like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm an LLC. And like, I was at least like, you know, educated enough by some other people that I was working with. They're like, Hey, here's what you should do. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I do that. But mm-hmm. like n- now I'm figuring out like, okay, so now I have to file taxes personal taxes and business taxes. I need somebody to do that for me. So I can't Mm -hmm. do my own taxes anymore. And like, Oh, okay. So, uh, when, when, when do I pay myself? How does that work? (laughs) What's the deal with like retirement? Like where do, where to speaking of taxes, like, um, this money's not coming out of my paycheck when I do pay myself. So now I have to put money aside because I have to pay extra at, you know, come, right, right. come April. Like, Ooh, there's yeah, tons I, of that I, business I always stuff, joke man. People, if, 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 and you kind of touched on this earlier, if most of us knew how hard it was to actually make it and somebody before we started our jobs, like, Hey, it's this freaking hard. I, I sometimes wonder how many of us would actually do it. And I'm kind of thankful mm-hmm. I didn't know you're, you're, you're naive. Like I've got my CSCS. <laughs> I know anatomy. I'm going to take mm-hmm. it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to turn the industry upside down and make a million dollars. And you kind of get in your first three years and like, Oh, <laughs> you know, this is for me. Am um, I still doing yeah, this? And, and, and yeah. And I think, I think being naive at first was a good thing because like, like you said, man, if, if we all knew how really hard this was, 
would some of us would we have done it you know and mm-hmm. and thankfully you know another another quote I'll, I'll quote mike boyle on was i heard him say one time in a speech he said you know don't give up before you get your big break you know and mm-hmm. um you know like don't put in all this work and all of a sudden just pull a plug on it. you know wait for it and wait for it and wait and if you put in the work man i truly believe like good things will happen eventually mm-hmm. um you know so and, and another thing i would tell going back to a couple of questions ago another thing i'll tell young trainers right now would be like you never know who's watching you never know where you're at and that's that's almost kind of how i got started in baseball a little bit was i did um a smaller camp after my original camp and you i had like i think 10 kids and you're it's nine o'clock at night you don't really want to be there man half these kids don't want to be there and you can in the back of your head you go, okay just do a good job do a good job do a good job well and those 10 kids i have a, i had a physical therapist who the dad was watching and in the last four or five years, he has sent me, I couldn't even tell you how many clients, you mm-hmm. know, so, you know, from that standpoint, and I had at the time, he was just a dad of me sitting in the corner watching, watching the routine. Um, mm-hmm. And then I had the number one baseball player in the high school in the country that year. Uh, the kids since one of the play at Vanderbilt, he won college player of the year. Um, and at the time, I'm brand new. I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. And so they both came to me afterwards. He wanted to train with me. He wanted to send me clients. And it's just like, man, if I were to come in here with a bad attitude, nine o'clock at night, I don't want to be here. Who knows what would have happened? Yep. You know, so you, you never know who is around and who's watching. Yeah. Man, that's that's really good advice. That's that's heavy because uh, mm-hmm. that's the thing, man. Like, like, oh, I'm here. I'm just going to go through the motions. Like, no, 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 no. Like, do the best job you can do because you you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. And like, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it might not always be the best thing, but people know uh, an effort when they see one. That's you know, the truth. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's things like that that you never know where a referral is going to come from. Like maybe maybe that specific client is like, oh, I can't do this, but uh, I've got five friends on my team whose parents mm-hmm. would love to pay for this. And, yep. you know, like you just you never know. You just never know. Yep. So I think that's really profound. Um, so for everybody watching and listening, if they want to reach out to you, if they want to follow you, like mm-hmm. what's the, what's the best way for people to, to find you and follow your work? I would say Twitter and Instagram are probably my two I use the most. Um, Instagram, I believe is just Brett underscore Cummins. Um, and then I believe my Twitter handle is Cummins B 21. So um, and I'm also on Facebook as well. Brett Cummins, if they want to look me up, feel free. Um, other than that, man, emails out there on my website. I have a website. I'll be honest. I've been terrible with updating the last about a year or so, but it's brettcummins.com. I've got, that's, that's my goal in 2022. Get back on that and start, start journaling. I used to write a ton and I, I really do mm-hmm. enjoy writing. So hopefully mm-hmm. I can get back on that train here pretty soon. Um, just awesome. hard, always hard to find time sometimes. So that's the truth. Yeah. If you don't schedule it out and it's, it can be tough. Like I, I was the same way with, uh, basically the month of August for me has been a little bit of a wreck. Like literally mm. I got hit, uh, like my car, like somebody mm. ran right. into me and then like, um, it was my birthday month. And so that changes everything. And then like cross country officially starts and like the whole month has just been like a whirlwind. Yeah. And then I was not good at, uh, at finding new uh new podcast guests and so it took took till the end of the month to uh to figure that out and here we are it's already september but um 
Yeah, well, man, it goes something. back, man. You know, last piece of advice I give people too is as your career progresses and you know, as well as I do, you have to find new routines and new way of doing things, you know, like, mm. I mean, and that's the tough part for me, like it, getting busier is a great thing. Don't get me wrong, but then you have to find that new, okay, I'm busier now. I'm working 12 hour days. I'm completely full. I have to do this, this, and this, and, and your time gets less and less and less and less and less. So, um, but yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, sleep's important and, uh, maintaining your relationships with friends and family are important and, mm-hmm. uh, staying, doing things that you got to do to, to keep you mentally healthy. Like that's important and physically yeah. healthy. That's important. There's a lot of priorities. So if you're not, if you just expect everything to fall into place, it probably won't. You got to be real proactive about it. Yeah, it's yeah. tough sometimes it's work. It is. It is. It is. It's a constant battle constant about that's the truth well dude thank you so much for taking the time to do this i've i've really enjoyed our conversation um it's it's always nice to have conversations with people who like we speak the same language but like you're in a niche that i know you know very little about so Mm -hmm. um it's good stuff man thanks for taking the time to do this uh, I i appreciate you having me thank you for sure. All right, y'all go follow Brett. And, uh, if you have questions, like reach out to him, let him know. And, uh, as always stay tuned for next week's episode. Adios.